Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We've been in a series called Build Your Church, where we've been digging deep into the core values that guide our church. So far, Pastor Nicole has discussed how we can anchor our teaching in the truth of the Bible. And then we saw that the church is created to be for others, and we need to be a redemptive community. Last week, Pastor Nicole examined the need to be purposeful in our outreach. Today we're joined by Pastor Quint Lindblad, and he's going to continue our series by discussing what it means to have spirit-led worship and prayer. We're going to see the model that Jesus created for us regarding prayer and the great things that God does when we commit ourselves to worship. So let's continue our series with Pastor Quint. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need position, promotion, and popularity. I don't have to be right first praised or rewarded. I now live by faith, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer, and I labor with power. My face is set, my goal heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions are few, my guide reliable, my mission clear, my mission clear, my mission is clear, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up. I am a disciple of Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop. Tell, till all know the work, till he stops me. Until he comes, my mission is clear. Love God and his people. Build Jesus-centered lives. And send out spirit-led disciples. Lord, Build your church. Lord, build your church. Lord, build your church. All right, well, welcome to Build Your Church Week 4. We're so excited and glad that you're here. If you are new, my name is Pastor Quint. I'm the executive pastor here at Erie First, and uh, Pastor Nicole has been walking us through an awesome series for the last three weeks. I'm going to preach part four today and then wrap it up next week with uh, part five. So we have been going through our core values and what we believe makes us who we are as Erie First Assembly, as this church, okay? And so just as a way of review, I want to just let you know, these are not the five traits that we put on when we walk through the door on Sunday morning at 9.48 a.m. These are not the five uh, buzzwords that we try to remember when we show up to small groups so that we have the vocabulary correct. These are actually uh, core values that shape our behavior, our approach to life, who we are, and how we go about uh, loving, building, and sending as Christians. When you walk in these doors, you see love, build, send on baby onesies and t-shirts and mugs and all sorts of things. And you might say, how do we, we hear it in the video, we love God and his people. We build Jesus-centered lives. We send out spirit-led disciples. You say, well, how do I love, build, and send in my own life? The answer is these 
core values that we espouse, that we cling to. And these are not, like I said, just church lingo or buzzwords. These are words that Pastor Nicole and the staff and the council over many years and many prayers and many moments have said, God, if we, what, what things can we wrap our arms around that will help us to walk how you would have us to walk and to live how you would have us to live? What are the key ingredients that if we focus on them, we will build a life that honors and obeys you? Okay, and so just by way of review, here they are. We've learned about three. We're going to do four today and five next week. The first one was anchored teaching, okay? The second, well, these are not in the order that I have here. Okay, the second was redemptive community, all right? The third last week was purposeful outreach. Today we are going to talk about spirit-led worship and prayer, and next week we will get to radical generosity, okay? So I want to encourage you, as one of your pastors, I, I can tell you personally for me, it'll be five years next month that I've worked here at Erie First Assembly, okay? Hey, all right. You're as excited about it as I am. That's great. So anyways, I want to tell you that personally for me, adopting these core values in my life, purposing to love, build, and send has benefited my life and my family's life. And I want to encourage you as we learn and continue to learn about these things to, uh, to, to consider how they might do the same for you, all right? Today, I have the privilege, like I said, of talking about spirit-led worship and prayer. And if you don't know, I actually got started in ministry by helping a church about an hour from here with their worship. I was working in, I won't give my whole story, a bunch of you have heard it a bunch of times, but I was working in business and sales and doing all sorts of stuff, and I started helping a church five to ten hours a week, leading their worship, and God has a way of doing things, and he snowballed. Uh, my whole life just uh, showed me that I had a calling on my life to be a pastor, to lead, uh, and so then, like I said, five years ago, I came here. I led worship here week in, week out for four years before my job and, and my role switched. So now I might talk about lights in the parking lot that need fixed or refacing the stucco on the face of the building or uh, fixing a roof at the summit or who knows what, okay? But I want you to know that I'm a worshiper at heart. I was a worship pastor before I was anything else, all right? And with that, I want you to know I've got opinions, I've got stances, but more important than both of those things is I've got scripture that we're going to look at today to back all of it up because it doesn't matter what my opinions are. It doesn't matter what your opinions or your stances are. What matters is what does God say our behavior should look like as followers of Christ when it comes to worship and prayer, all right? So what we're going to do, we're going to start where Pastor Nicole's had a starting all month or all series, right over there in Matthew chapter 16. Verses 13 through 19. Before we do that, let me pray, and then we'll jump into this message. Jesus, we just praise you for who you are, for how you've already showed up in so many ways in this service today, Lord. I, I, um, I sit so humbly in the front, and I just uh, I hear songs being played and connect them to people that matter in my life, and I just thank you for how you're moving in this place week in and week out. We are humbled by it, Lord. We just submit to you. We praise you. And more than anything, Lord, through this word today, may they not be my words, but yours. And may we hear from you in a brand new way this morning. Amen. Amen. All right. So Matthew 16, 13 through 19. This is from the NIV. Let me read for you. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It will give you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, okay? I love, surprise, surprise, Pastor Quint loves how the message translation says that that verse 19. So let me read it to you, okay? Eugene Peterson translated that verse to say this, you will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, You will have keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, a no on earth is a no in heaven, okay? So, yeah, absolutely. If you remember, we learned a few weeks ago, Pastor Nicole, uh, had this awesome phrase, and I have it, uh, we're going we're gonna to review it. This was from week one, but when we were talking about Peter, and, and he said, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. The rock was the rock of confession as Christ as Messiah, right? It wasn't the person of Peter so much as it was the confession that Christ is the Messiah. And so Pastor Nicole's quote was, the church will be built on the rock-solid confession modeled by Peter the rock, about the person of Christ who is the cornerstone rock of the church forever, okay? So if we are confessing Christ as our Messiah and our Savior, and we are living as his church, he's going on to tell us here that in doing that, we will have complete and free access to the kingdom of heaven, okay, as his church. He's telling us that through him, we can open doors. We can remove barriers, right? We can live in this way. The question, though, is how? So how do we do that? It's not that we don't believe you, but we do need some instruction, Lord. How can we do that? Well, I believe if we go back just 10 chapters in this same book, Matthew chapter 6, we are going to find this morning some awesome, tangible, practical ways that we can have free and open access and live inside the kingdom of heaven, okay? Let me me read this to you. This is from Matthew chapter 6. Verses 5 through 15, some of the disciples had asked Jesus, Jesus, how do we pray? Teach us to pray. It says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. That's a good start, all right? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ever ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. And this is what's known as the Lord's Prayer, okay? It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father 
will not forgive your sins, okay? Now, let's just real quick, before we go through the practical and everything I mentioned, let's just hone in on verses 14 and 15, okay? It says, if you forgive, now you might not be surprised by any of this because we just did a forgiveness series not that long ago, but it says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. One of the ways that we have the opportunity to live with complete and free access to God's kingdom here on earth is this. We bring heaven to earth when we do the supernatural act of forgiving people who have wronged us. Okay, that is one way. Do I need to remind you that Jesus Christ forgiving you of your wrongs was a supernatural act. And we have the ability, he has put the ability inside of us to do that exact same thing. You are the conduit to bring heaven to earth by doing this supernatural act of forgiving those who have wronged you just as Christ did for you, all right? So that is just extra credit at the end of this awesome passage we're gonna study today. But do not sleep on that. Do not overlook that, okay? Let's just step, let that, Let's just go back. Let's review, though, what Jesus says in this prayer. I will say, I mentioned it's called the Lord's Prayer, but we see many other instances where Jesus talks to the Father, and these are not the exact words that he uses. So this might be a family tradition uh, of yours at Thanksgiving or something. This might be something we quote here even in services or sing in songs, and there is so much to be found in it, but this is not the only words to use in the act of prayer. But let's just review. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, okay? You received a handout on your way in today. And here are five points I think we can clearly see in this prayer that will teach us and help us to know how to pray. The first one is, when you go into prayer, the starting point, the foundation is, glorify the Father. Our Father, I gotta stop standing in front of this TV. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. The foundation for prayer is glorifying him for who he is, for what he's done, and for what he promises to do. Right after that, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. We need to submit to the Father, saying, Lord, I don't always know what it is you're doing, what you're trying to do. I strive, and I, and I seek your face, and I study your word, but more than anything, Lord, your, your kingdom come, and your will be done, even when it doesn't make sense to me, okay? So glorify the Father, submit to the Father. Step three, Recognize his provision in your life, okay? Give us this day our daily bread. It's just, it's just this base need remembrance of his provision in your life. The air that you breathe, you had nothing to do with, okay? It's all a gift from him. Number four, and we already talked about this, is remember our need for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who have trespassed against us. Okay, and he expanded on that in verses 14 and 15, but Lord, so we're gonna glorify, we're gonna submit, we're gonna recognize his provision, we're gonna remember our need for forgiveness, and then last, we are gonna ask for and rely 
on his protection and his guidance from sin. Okay, Christ is modeling for us here a surefire way to keep our prayers in line with the heart of the Father for us. Okay, that is what he is doing. He's not giving us verbatim words, although it's fine to pray these verbatim words. He's giving us a model that we can shape our prayers around as we go through this Christian life and prayer is supposed to be a part of it. So, the core value, spirit-led, worship and prayer. Anytime our prayer consists of praising God for who he is, submitting to him because of his holiness and sovereignty, as we just said together in worship, realizing that everything we have comes from him, remembering we have this deep need for forgiveness that does not go away, right? And then relying on him for our guidance towards holiness. These are the tools that we can take with us into our prayer life, and then we don't have to wonder, am I praying right? Am I doing this right? Is this, am I headed in the right direction? So let, let me tell you a quick story that, I, that kind of like, it's going to, We're going to go around the mountain here real quick together, okay? But let me tell you a story that kind of illuminated this to me, all right? So um, about a year ago, my family and I went on a vacation that really wasn't planned, but it was very needed. And so it was a huge rescue, and I was very grateful that God kind of lied some stuff up for us to be able to just get away for a few days. I was kind of burned out. And so we ended up going down to Williamsburg, Virginia, did the whole colonial thing with the kids. It was really fun. And we, my wife and I have five kids, and we are done with children. With, with, we're not done with children. We're done having more children, okay? We're kind of committed to these five, and then, then we'll be done. But anyways, um, so now that we're done having children, the, the natural progression of the conversation is we should get a dog, right? Because... Because why not? So, um, we're driving down to vacation. You know, you get relaxed. You forget how stressful life is. You start to think things like we should get a dog. You start to have the conversation. And then um, we were thinking like, hey, maybe for Christmas, maybe, you know, whatever. This was about a year ago right now that we, we took this trip, all right? Now, to tell you the truth, the one dog, the one breed of dog, my wife and I both, separate from each other, before we ever started dating, always wanted was a St. Bernard, okay? Like, you all seen Beethoven, right? Like 150 to 200 pound dog, right? And we are crazy, because we have five children uh, and want to get a dog, but we're not that crazy. So we were kind of like, you know what? Let's punt on the 150 to 200 pound dog thing. Let's try to keep it like under 90 pounds, right? Like let's, under 90 would be a, which is still a crazy number, but whatever. So, all right, so we're looking online with the kids and whatever, and we find this website, and uh, I go to click on the St. Bernard part just to like throw a pity party, like don't get your hopes up, kids, but wouldn't this be great? And I see a title that says Saint-Mini. I was like, what's a, what's a mini saint? So we click it and we do some research and it's a cross between a St. Bernard and a Cocker Spaniel. So they did this in the late 90s to dwarf the breed. So families like mine could still get a St. Bernard. And so, so anyways, he's about 50 pounds. All right, that's where, they, that's where they finish growing. And so if that's not enough, when we're looking, there's a 12-week-old right now, ready to go. So we make the total Lindblad decision. We need to pick this dog up on our way home from vacation because 
it's only about six hours out of the way. But that's more, that is more on the way than if I come all the way home and then go get it and come back. So this is our dog. His name is Bear Bones. Aww. That was Bear as a puppy. And then these are just, I mean, come on. Didn't they get it right? Look at that. And I'm not going to talk about motorcycles today, but there was a little picture of one in, behind Bear there for a minute. So, all right. So, so this, is, this is our dog, Bear Bones. And he is, uh, he's a great, great first dog, all right? The kids love him. He's awesome. That's the story of how we got our dog. Here's the story about Bear that reminded me, uh, or at least kind of aligns with what we're talking about with prayer today. So my family, my extended family, uh, had like a bit of a family reunion this summer, okay? And so everybody kind of like, what is it, descended upon this campground up in Chautauqua Lake area. And we were driving out there a few days a week and stuff. And most of the time, we were, every time actually, we were leaving Bear at home because it's just a whole thing to bring a dog and all that stuff. And there's probably... I don't know, 10 or 15, well, just my family, seven. So there's probably 15 to 20 of us uh, gathering for this family reunion. So the final day, I felt like Bear had been a good sport. He had done his job. And so we brought him. We brought him to the last day, okay? And as soon as we pulled in, my mom was like, you brought your dog? And I'm like, hey, he's part of the family. He's got to experience this, right? So, so he comes. We're standing. I'm standing here. I have Bear on his leash. My wife my sister and her husband, all right? We're standing here. Bear sees something over there, and he takes off at like 100 miles an hour, and I'm holding the leash. And he goes so hard, and I grab it, and my wife, my sister, and my sister's husband heard my back crack like I was at the chiropractor, okay? It literally was like so audible. My sister's jaw hit the floor. My wife and my brother-in-law were like, are you okay? I mean, I was like, you know? So here's the thing. I felt good. I, I did. It sounded like a chiropractic adjustment, and it kind of felt like one, all right? And I, I was fine. But here is what I know. It wasn't a chiropractic adjustment, okay? There's a way those work, and it's not your dog going 100 miles an hour that way. In fact, this happened on a Saturday, Monday morning at 9, I was at my actual chiropractor to get my back put back together, all right? And this is my point. I know you're like, wow, we really did go around the mountain there. This is my point. There is a way a trained professional puts a back, a spine in line, and there is a way prayer works. Okay, there is a way prayer works. And my point with that is this. Jesus told us in Matthew 6, verse 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and out on the street corners, right? There's a way prayer doesn't work, all right? And we need to be able to test and to, and to fall in line with his model for our prayer, okay? And when we do that, we can be confident we are praying in line with how he would have us to pray. We do not want to find ourselves in a situation where we are going through motions, or as Jesus said, we are getting our reward in full right here and right now because we are somehow not remembering God's place in all of it. We are making it about us. We are getting out of line with the glorify, submit, recognize, remember, and rely model that Jesus himself spelled out for us here 
in Matthew 6, okay? So if you are here today and prayer is an element of your faith journey that feels awkward or unnatural or odd or you're just unsure of how to do it, my hope and my prayer for you is that you can take that handout you were given and you can go into prayer in your car or at home or whatever, just you and Jesus, and you can walk through that. And I just believe that God will meet you in that place and he will, he will tear down that wall that makes prayer feel any of those things, unnatural, odd, awkward, and he will just meet you there and say, no, this is, this is the way. This is the way prayer works. You do. You glorify me, and you submit to me, and you recognize, and you remember, and you rely on me, and, and I will keep you holy. I will keep you out of those situations that you don't want to be in, all right? So that truly is my prayer and my hope for you today, that you'd spend some time in Matthew chapter 6 that you'd spend some time walking through those key words, those key uh, points, and that it would practically change, practically, your prayer life, all right? Now, the core value is spirit-led worship and prayer, all right? I've spent a lot of time on prayer this morning. I want to real quickly, as we wrap up, just talk about the worship portion of it, all right? If you go back to Matthew chapter 16, it says, you will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. As a worship pastor, I made this point countless times, and I'm going to make it again this morning, okay? The, the heading in my message Bible for this section, we go over to Revelation chapter 4, the entire chapter actually, 1 through 11. The heading says, doorway, a door into heaven, all right? And I understand the headings that are put in Bibles are man-made, but I love that title because it really is an attempt to summarize what we're witnessing here. Let me read it to you. It says, Then I looked, and oh, a door opened into heaven, the trumpet voice, the first voice in my vision called out, Ascend and enter, and I will show you what happens next. I was caught up at once in deep worship, and oh, a throne set in heaven with one seated on the throne, suffused in gem hues of amber and flame with a nimbus of emerald. 24 thrones circled the throne with 24 elders seated, white-robed, gold-crowned, lightning flash, and thunder crash pulsed from the throne. Seven fire-blazing torches fronted the throne. These are the sevenfold spirit of God. Before the throne, it was like a clear crystal sea. The first animal was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third with a human face, and the fourth like an eagle in flight. Before the one seated on the throne, they worshipped the age after age living one. They threw their crowns at the foot of the throne, chanting, worthy, O master. I loved what Susan said this morning when she shared in communion. This is where we see it say, holy, holy, holy in other translations. Yes, our God, take the glory, the honor, the power. You created it all. It was created because you wanted it. And so the point that I want to drive home and make today is that worship and praise and song and a joyful noise, and crying out, holy, holy, holy. These are all ways where we can join. Remember, it talked about free and open access to the kingdom of heaven. These are all ways we can join with what is happening right now in heaven. In this moment, while we are gathered here as the church, that is what's happening in heaven. Just endless praise to the king of kings, to the one who deserves it all. And when we gather, we have the opportunity 
to join in with that song. There's a song that says, uh, join with heaven's song. That's what we get the opportunity to do. And so I'm a real practical guy. And I think the way we should end today is by actually doing that. We gave you some guidance on prayer, and I hope you take that with you. But as we close this morning, I want to sing this song together as the church. I want to join with heaven's song right now in this moment. This song is called Great Things, and it's just an opportunity for us to recognize all that God has done, who he is, what he's promised to do, what he will do in our lives. And we have the chance to just... Uh, to, to make a joyful noise as this room and engage in worship that honors and glorifies him. So would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray to that end. And then let's just sing as we get ready to, to end our time together. Let's not, let's not end it with anything but our best, right? Let's just praise him. So Jesus, we just thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for who you are, for a model of prayer that can break down any walls and any hindrances and any things that make us nervous or, or, or feel uncertain when we enter into prayer. And we thank you that there is worship happening at your throne right now. And it is our privilege in this very moment to join with that worship and to honor and glorify you. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Eerie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.